Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, I'm Nikki. And I'm Tyler. And we are page turners and button mashers. Do you guys love books, games, or even both? Well, we have the podcast for you. I come in with a book of the week, sometimes a series of books, and give you the tip to tail of the book and base on how many pages turned it was worth. Then I follow up with a game of the week and give you the ins and outs of what to expect, how many awards, and of course, how much I loved it. So if you love books, if you love games, and if you love witty openings, then you should totally tune into Page Turners and Button Mashers. I mean, cheers to whoever was like, let's film murder. You you had a great thought. Cheers. <laughs> cheers to you. Congrats. All the monies. Hi, Allie. Hey, Celeste. Hi. Also, hey guys. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone who just joined us today. Welcome back to Taboos. Welcome back. Also, welcome back to Spooky Season. Indeed. Ugh, we hope that you guys enjoyed the first episode of Spooky Season. I know I did. I learned a lot. Nom, nom, nom. Yikes. I learned that you have a very interesting fascination with Hannibal. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, two things I wanted to call out really quick about our cannibalism episode is, one, I'm deeply ashamed of myself that I did not think of Hocus Pocus as an example of cannibalism that I have been exposed to. I have not seen Hocus Pocus in so long that I don't remember it at all. And isn't it true you've only seen it like one time? Mm-hmm. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's literally, <laughs> It's literally like the golden nugget of 1993. Noted. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that. Also, um, the other thing that I wanted to call out is actually when we were discussing Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer that you were referencing, this like really hot photographer, is actually Ted Bundy. No, I I, I was looking at Jeffrey Dahmer. Was he a photographer? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm like almost positive that you have the stories mixed up, which is fine. I know I was looking at Dahmer and thought he looked like a server dude. I, you're not wrong about that. And clearly, per the last episode, we you can hear us talk about how attractive he is, mm-hmm. Brady Bunch style. But Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I probably fucked something up there. Who knows? Yeah, but it's okay. Uh, it's totally okay. And also, it's a, a good segue for today. Oh, hey. Wink, 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 wink. Oh. Before we get into what we're discussing today <laughs> for spooky season number two, Allie, would you like to tell me what you are drinking today? I am drinking a New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. Is this like the whole sentence? What is this? Is this a description? It's delicious. I don't even know. I think you did the title and the description all at the same time. 
Well, it's lovely. And this artwork is amazing. Yeah. So Tiny picked out that can because she was like, Mom, this can is so cool. And I was like, yeah, Aunt Daly needs that. He has a fedora type hat, a deer hunter type hat. I don't know what this is called. And a gold tooth. This guy is killing it. And he's like a little skeleton and he's got like a little Hawaiian shirt on. He's It's cute. Um, I have a Cider Boys pineapple hula, apple pineapple hard cider. Um, And you know, it's really fruity. It's really good. I don't know if it's my favorite cider I've ever had, but I think I've just transitioned into fall feeling drinks. Yeah. And this is a very summer feeling cider. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. My basic bitch self needs to get with the times and have like a fucking pumpkin spice latte or some shit. I, I'm just not on this pumpkin spice latte train. I'm so sorry. I just offended everyone, but that's okay. I also don't like, I don't like coffee. I don't like coffee at all. So I hate pumpkin spice lattes. I love coffee. I just, I like my coffee black, just like my metal. Just like my soul also like my soul <laughs> hey also for those of you that are new to taboos we are a podcast that discusses taboo culture while drinking while drinking mm-hmm. there you go yes i'm celeste i'm Allie. we've mentioned this before hi again we just said hello to each other yeah okay we're, hi. we're doing an introduction don't rain on my introduction parade oh god <laughs> Hey, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk about serial killers. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I was going back to the Twilight theme. Twi- God Scooby damn it. Scooby doo where are you? Not the Twilight theme song. Jesus. Oh, we're just going to sparkle the we're, whole episode? It's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited. The Twilight Zone theme song. How does that go? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Perfect. So, really though, I, I mean, there is so much shit out there on serial killers, mm-hmm. so... I don't want you guys to think that serial killers are a taboo topic. That is not the piece that we're going to talk about today. What I want to talk about, which I can attest I have this, and I know you have this, and like thousands of people I've spoken to have this, a fascination with serial killers, okay? That is the part that I think is taboo that I want to talk about, because how many people do you know who will just openly admit that they think that serial killers are fascinating. Yeah, like that's just the icebreaker. Right. Like, hi, I'm Celeste. Nice to meet you. I think serial killers are fascinating. We just shook hands because I'm like that. So just so you know, we just shook hands. Like, we went through that scenario. We're nothing if not authentic. Real. We we really, we give it our all, you guys. We really do. We, we bring 100% to the table for you. But real, like, how many people do you know, like, you have, it's like this aha moment where you're talking to somebody, maybe who you haven't discussed the topic with before, and they're like, oh my god, I love serial killers too. Yeah, it's like, okay, I feel safe to talk about this Exactly, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, oh my gosh, I was watching this cool show on Netflix, and they're like, what cool show? And you're like, it's about serial killers. And they're like, oh my god, I love serial killers. And then you're like, okay now we can talk about this yeah it's a question of okay are we gonna talk or are you gonna slowly back away exactly exactly and i think that the reason that it is taboo is because like it just it makes you seem depraved like it makes you seem as though you have or i I think that's part of the stigma of like why people don't just openly admit it is because like i feel like saying i'm fascinated by this equates to somebody who doesn't know you maybe will hear that you support it or you agree with it or you are envious of it and that's not it at all that's yeah. not it at all but today we're going to talk about the fascination with serial killers i i don't 100% know if we need a disclaimer on this episode but we're going to do one because i'm really not interested in being sued for anything <laughs> so here's our disclaimer you guys we don't support serial killers please don't kill people don't kill people funny not funny just don't do it okay just just don't just please don't. 
that's it. That's and if you were to accidentally kill someone, don't do it again. Serial killing, especially. <laughs> if you were to accidentally kill someone, we don't condone. Don't do it again. We don't condone the murders. We have such good life life tips on is. this. There it is. Yes, lawsuit free. There we go. Because <laughs> we said we don't condone the murders. Okay, so to get started, to take a stab at it. Ah! Oh my God! <laughs> go away. <laughs> The definition of serial killer is a person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive, and typically following a characteristic, predictable behavior pattern. Okay. So, that, hi Axel, you're not a serial killer. Actually, you might be. All the, the mice that you've taken out, really, we should talk about it. So, I thought that that was a good place to start, really, with just the definition. Um, specifically, three or more victims with different incidents ranging over a period of time okay um so if you were to murder multiple people in one sitting although that is still not cool it's not the same as a serial killer because yeah. they would argue that you were in that moment of passion and you basically took out whoever was closest to you in that moment whereas serial killers are calculated and plot over a period of time whether they do that well or or don't it doesn't really matter it's more about proof being in the pudding of you've done this multiple times it's kind of like serial killers have a hunt mode Yes. And honestly, this episode, although I would love, 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 love to do this, this episode is not going to be about in the mind of a serial killer yeah. because although we think that's fascinating, that's been pretty covered over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Like, so we're not here to do that. You can find 8,000 documentaries on Netflix, Hulu, or Prime to support the mind of a serial killer. I highly recommend Mind Hunter. Really good. Mm -hmm. um, it is a docudrama, but it is based on real facts and real people, and they really just made the narrative so that it could be a show, but really well done. Yeah, agreed. I love I love Mind Hunter. Okay, so like I said, we're getting into today the fascination behind serial killers. Mm -hmm. So according to Britannica.com, the term serial killer was popularized in the 1970s by Robert Ressler, who was an investigator with the Behavioral Science Unit of the FBI. So that if you haven't seen Mindhunter, is the premise of Mindhunter. They mm -hmm. really took Robert Ressler and renamed him William Tench, and it's basically like a play out of the research that the Behavioral Science Unit did. So specifically, there are two categories of serial killer. There is a classic serial murderer, quote-unquote. This type of murder pattern typically involves stalking and is often sexually motivated. Okay. So that's a classic. Yeah. Cool. And then there's also a spree serial murderer, and this is usually motivated by thrill-seeking or adrenaline junkie or some sort of god complex, like okay. to really just be on the war path of, I just want to annihilate things that are in my line of vision kind of a concept. So those are the two main types. Even though serial killers weren't identified as serial killers until the 1970s, serial killers date back actually to the early 19th century. So some popular ones that you've probably heard of are like Jack the Ripper. Uh, he's actually believed to be one of the very first serial killers in history. There's a lot of them, okay? And again, we're not really getting into that piece of serial killers today, but just know serial killers have been around a long time, 
long time long long time not as long as porn that we know of i'm still i'm just still really excited that porn's been around that long okay so the question here was what makes serial killers so fascinating to just typical people right why am i fascinated by serial killers why are you fascinated by serial killers and in the research that i did the thing that i found that was most prevalent was an article by dr scott bon b-o-n-n um on psychologytoday.com and a quote from dr bon is real life serial killers are transformed into larger than life celebrity monsters through the efforts of law enforcement the news and entertainment media that feed the public's appetite for the macabre in many ways serial killers are for adults the way that monster movies are for kids it's like this scary fun concept it's a safe adrenaline rush exactly Mm -hmm. exactly also the incomprehensibility of the actions or thoughts that would make someone feel compelled to abduct torture rape kill or engage in necrophilia is what drives society to understand why serial killers do incredibly horrible things to other people who are often complete strangers so that really made sense to me in this concept of like but why yeah because to that point and like you just said it is this safe adrenaline Mm -hmm. something else that i was thinking and i have this notated later but i really want to say it now because i'm thinking about it and it just feels so obvious after i did this research i think the other thing that i really think people appreciate about serial killers and just hear me say this it helps people justify their moral compass oh yeah i agree and i'm not saying that good people don't make stupid decisions or or do bad like i've done stupid shit Mm-hmm. I've made bad choices, right? But I've never serial killed. Yeah, I've never killed anybody. So, And you don't have that urge. I, and I don't. Mm-hmm. So truly, if I'm having a day where I'm like, fuck, I'm a really bad person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but okay, I'm but not Jeffrey Dahmer bad. I didn't serial kill anyone. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a, I think that's part of it. Like just this like selfish, intrinsic drive to just remind yourself like even on your worst days, you didn't eat anybody today. You didn't rape, murder, torture anybody today. Mm -hmm. Like it just makes you feel better. I think another part of it too is, I could be wrong here, but I feel like part of human nature is to want to know what's in the dark. Yeah. And that's where serial killers live. I agree with that wholeheartedly too. And I just think that the the why is so fascinating. Not only the why from like why do they do what they do and psychologically all of the crazy in-depth research that has gone into understanding serial killers, a lot of which I have watched or studied and researched. Like we've talked about Cheers to Soft Sciences for real. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so interesting to take a step back like personally and really understand like why do we like this? Yeah. Why are we interested in this? And I do think that you're right i think not only is it feeling around in the dark and understanding like what we can't see and what we can't understand but also like i said the moral justification and then the other thing i think about is like really truly society like from a societal perspective of why lots of people within society are so interested in this is i think to really define that line of good versus evil Mm -hmm. we as human beings have such this need to define good and bad and and right from wrong and it's instilled in us so deeply just morality yeah right and obviously there are types of people like serial killers who don't have that moral compass and that's why they do the things they do but we as people with consciences need to justify good versus bad yeah i agree and i think that serial killers again kind of help balance that scale of that's really evil Mm -hmm. so there must be really good too like real evil exists so real good must exist also yeah 
and I, I do believe in real good. I, it, that's not even a religious statement. People find real good in religion. That's not where I personally find it. I know that's not where you personally find it, but it, just the concept of that justification of saying like, if true evil exists, then true goodness must exist also. Yeah, the balance in the universe. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so still according to psychologytoday.com, um, I found some reasons that serial killers are interesting, just some more like pointed facts. So number one being serial killers are in the business of murder with 25 or so operating at any given time in the U.S. So like even today, even though we don't hear about it, it's not like the headline news anymore. There are still up to 25-ish. I find that super interesting that if that's accurate, do we just not know about it? Yeah, I think I think that truly that's part of that media control of like what is going to scare people the most right now. A serial killer is not going to be it. It's it's just not. And we know through seeing especially you guys were in 2020, right? We know still here <laughs> for now. The next level of Jumanji might might not be so good to us but we know the way that the media operates right mm-hmm. especially given that it's an election year but this statement i think is applicable at any time i just don't think serial killers in real life are glorified in the media the way that they have been in the past because i think people are so desensitized to them i think there's that and i also think that perhaps they're not to the extent that they used to be either as far as their killings goes because think of how much harder it would be that's to true. get away with everything That's nowadays. true. I mean, everything has an electronic footprint. I mean, yeah, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. That is very possible. Okay, so the sub-bullet point of that is their crimes are exotic and tantalizing. So to like a lot of people, it they look at it the same way that they would look at like a really bad traffic accident or like a natural disaster. Like it's so disturbing and yet you can't look away. Mm-hmm. Like, just that fascination, that just innate draw to be like, oh, holy fuck. Mm -hmm. And yet, I can't take my eyes off of it. Like, it's kind of that same concept. Their brutality is extreme and seemingly unnatural, which pulls people in simply out of curiosity. That was another point that was made, which I think we hit on, but, like, to truly just say that again, I think is really important because here we are on this taboo podcast talking about our fascination with serial killers and truly that's what it is like i'm i'm just curious i'm just so fascinated because i don't understand it yeah i agree so if you are also fascinated with serial killers cheers to you this episode's for you you're normal (laughs) haha so the second bullet point this one actually was the one that made the most sense to me and i was like deeply disturbed but also related to this Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that people find them fascinating is because they kill randomly they choose victims based on personal attraction or random opportunities presented to them again depending on the type of serial killer we're talking about right so what that means is that makes anybody a potential victim even if the odds of encountering one are about the same as being attacked by a great white shark like it's just the question of who is next yeah that's interesting because in a lot of serial killers where they do annihilate their family it's typically they killed their mom or their dad or whomever and now the world is their oyster exactly or it's the opposite whereas like ed kemper for example he killed so many women before he killed his mother yeah 
because he couldn't bring himself to kill his mother because in some depraved sick twisted way he wanted her to love him and yet he hated her so much he killed women who reminded him of her so he had a body count before he killed his mom but you're right there is usually some sort of family tie to the origin story that just doesn't make sense until you really understand the full picture yeah and it typically doesn't extend beyond a very specific nuclear or uh, yeah directly related family you're right so i mean we have to be sensitive to the fact that like there might be non-nuclear family members who might have caused trauma and the development issues that psychopaths and serial killers have in their genetic code and in their brain and whatever so you're not wrong point number three is that serial killers are prolific and insatiable meaning that they will kill as many people over a period of time as they can rather than killing one person in a single impulsive moment so although they might not kill every day and their appetite for murder might be able to be curbed temporarily it isn't the same as someone who had a bad fucking day in a heated moment killed someone or in a potentially like justifiable maybe in a potentially questionable self-defense moment like that is a different kind of murder Mm -hmm. whereas serial killers and their type of murder is quite deliberate and it's an addiction that they cannot control it's murder to murder exactly Mm -hmm. yes it's for the thrill of murdering or whatever intrinsic motive they have but it is not just a one-time thing like it's sort of like that philosophy of like when a dog bites somebody and it tastes blood you're supposed to put that dog down because they've now tasted blood it's the same for serial killers that concept of like now they've tasted blood they will not stop trying to taste blood even if they're not jeffrey dahmer or cannibals like it's just that adrenaline rush yeah i gotta just clarify that point about dogs completely false but i know what you mean don't bully my breed don't bully my breed there we go so number four is their behavior is seemingly inexplicable without coherent motive such as jealousy or rage people are drawn to this morbid violence of serial killers because they cannot understand it but they really want to so i i think that that goes back to that point that we had earlier about like it's just fascinating mm-hmm. and that point specifically i think speaks to that moral compass aspect that i was talking about before where it's just like i'm clearly not a serial killer so i can't be doing that bad yeah as a human being i think a big part of it is the but why yeah you killed somebody but why did you kill them and the answer is because i I wanted wanted to to. and i want to eat a bunch of gummy bears you do that though i do do that but there's a definite extremism between i want to eat a bunch of gummy bears and take a nap and i want to kill that person you're not wrong about that and i appreciate that we can distinguish the difference between the severity of eating gummy bears and napping to serial killing but the point being it's still i have seen you with gummy bears it is insatiable it is so uh, just i guess that's part of i think the thrill at least when I analyze what I appreciate about serial killers is that thrill, that concept of I know what it means to feel insatiable Mm -hmm. for something. You eat gummy bears. I don't even know the last thing I felt insatiable about, but I know that feeling, right? That just constant craving, that itch you cannot scratch, but I cannot imagine it being in the form of taking someone else's life. Yeah, I agree. 
And yet I'm fascinated by it. And yet, yeah. Number five is they have a visceral appeal for the public, similar to monster movies, because they provide an adrenaline rush. So Mm -hmm. that kind of goes back to that other point of like serial killers or the boogeyman for adults. It's a fear. And I think that that's probably why it's like serial killer movies like Freddy versus Jason or Halloween or whatever other fucking serial killer movies there are because I've never watched them because I'm a giant pussy and I can't deal with it. But I think that that's probably why those movies are so popular, like on top top of the fact that people are just fascinated by the obscure Mm -hmm. and the concept of killing people for the sake of it is in fact obscure yeah another quote from dr bon is the serial killer represents a complex and compelling presence on the social landscape there appears to be an innate human tendency to identify or empathize with all things good or bad, including serial killers. So I think that that's really where my like my question about good versus evil comes in, and that like arguably the serial killer identity is a mirror of reflection in society itself. Like mm-hmm. the evil of society is brought forward through the mirror of serial killers. Yeah. And obviously there are different kinds of evil in society, but I think that serial killers are really that anchor to, like I said before, remind us Mm -hmm. on the spectrum of good versus evil, there is evil. Yeah. It's always easier to focus on the evil of someone else than the evil of yourself as well. So yes, I love that you said that, but also think about all of the other evil that's going on. I mean, right now, like evil within the government, Mm -hmm. evil within other political standings of other countries like the world has evil in it and yet there's like this constant back and forth on those things being evil there's more sides to the story for Mm -hmm. those things being evil so people don't always recognize them as that but if you have a serial killer standing in front of you like or not even like in real life but the concept of one standing in front of you you recognize everyone recognizes that that's evil yeah society can recognize that killing someone randomly not not for war exactly or vengeance or anything of that or for money purpose or rather Mm -hmm. more for pleasure than anything right is bad exactly so i mean even the people who empathize with serial killers or who admire serial killers not when when we say we're fascinated by that's not what we're talking about but i understand that there are people out there like that and those people i'm not shaming as long as you don't hurt anybody right that's our premise here Mm mm-hmm I don't care what you like or don't like, but as long as you don't hurt anybody, like, again, we don't condone serial killing. But I do understand people who empathize with them or who just seriously want to understand because either they want to be reassured of the good or because they're fascinated with the bad. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um. So... That's really to answer the question of why are people fascinated with serial killers? And I thought that that was really interesting and I really wanted to share that because I've always questioned that. Mm -hmm. I've always questioned like, why am I so drawn to this? Am I broken because I'm drawn to this? Am I fucking weird? Am I going to be a serial killer like because I'm drawn to this? And obviously none of that's true. I mean, I am fucking weird, but that was you anyway. That was the only statement there that was accurate. Thank you. I love you also. But... That actually brings me to my next question, which is, do you have a favorite serial killer? I do. <gasps> Who is your favorite serial killer? Charles Manson. Ooh, Charlie. All right. Okay. Well, uh, fun fact, I know you so well. I did some research on Charles Manson. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Please hold. Um, my special guest notebook and I need to get to the... 
Your handy dandy notebook. Handy dandy. We needed to get to the page. Okay. So I also have a favorite serial killer who we can talk about, but I, let's start with you. Ooh. Woo. All right. Um, a lot of the information I found on Mr. Charles Manson came from biography.com. I did also find some resources from the Rolling Stones page, rollingstone.com, and there might be one other one that I interject later, but I'm not going to do a whole lot of citing throughout uh, because I really pulled from so many places for so much information because I have like seven pages just on Mr. Manson here. But those were my primary sources of information, so throwing that out there so that I'm not plagiarizing any of the things. So, are you ready? I am ready. Dun dun. That was my law and order noise. That was beautiful. Did, was it good? It was great. And actually, just to interject here, back in high school, I read the book Helder Skelter. Ooh. I don't even know why I did, but I think Because you're depraved? Maybe. But that's where my <laughs> uh, specific fascination with Charles Manson came about. And I did some research on Helter Skelter, and I have some interesting things to share, as always. Because, you know, your tagline is, how goes it? Mm -hmm. My tagline is, I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of shit's really interesting. And I want to call that out because, let let me share this with you guys. I'm a Gemini. We've talked about that before. As part of my little Gemini self, I think everything is interesting. I think everything is fascinating because both sides of my spectrum are invested in something. I see the abstract side and the logical side at the same time, and seeing both sides makes it really interesting i'm not gonna get off of the this is really interesting train you're now stuck with it if you don't think it's interesting that's fine but i'm gonna preface that i think it is i think everything is interesting i also just realized that i'm a misaligned cancer and that's probably a very good explanation for me you know because you are not very cancer-esque i would be curious what your moon sign is and what your ascendant sign is which we should do that one time that would be a fun episode yeah that would yeah also i'm my actual date due date wasn't cancer so that's true oh noted for future future also Stay tuned. All right, so here we go. Charles Manson. Charles Manson was born November 12th, 1934 in Ohio. He died November 19th, 2017 in California, and he was 83 years old. Mm -hmm. He served more than four decades in prison, which is fucking insane considering he never actually killed anyone. Yeah, I mean earned, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been in prison. I'm just saying he never hurt anybody. Yeah. He never never hurt anybody anybody psychologically he hurt a bunch of fucking people but physically to have served over 40 years in prison for never physically killing anybody Mm -hmm. that's a that's insane to me Mm -hmm. like again justified like throw away the key but not a typical sentence not a typical sentence so he was born as charles mills maddox his alias became charles manson after his mother married his stepdad whose name i did not write down other than his last name his mom was a 16 year old prostitute who was also an alcoholic at one point she sold him for a pitcher of beer jesus christ and he was living on the streets from the time he was 12 his mom and her new husband were together at that point and he basically got kicked out and he was living on the streets and like making a living and surviving off of just petty crime like Mm -hmm. honestly over the next 20 years he would live between reform homes and prisons until march 21st 1967 when he moved to san francisco so i'm not sure what the pivotal moment of moving to san francisco did for him i couldn't really find a whole lot on like why he chose to move there i did find that he had his own complex about like he wanted to be 
a celebrity. He yeah. wanted to be famous. He was very enamored by Hollywood. Yes. Yes. Without question. And he wanted that lifestyle. And I didn't take a ton of notes on this, but when I was doing the research, there was this portion on the fact that he met the Beastie Boys and that they had recorded, a, they had a single that they recorded. It didn't actually go very far. It was on the, the B track of a certain album. Was it the Beastie Boys or the Beatles? I don't remember. Because he was obsessed with the Beatles and he actually yes. sent a demo tape to some recording label and the recording label was like, you gotta be shitting me. I really felt like it was the Beastie Boys. And the reason I said that is because I wrote down specifically that he was um, obsessed with the Beatles and it wasn't the same. It definitely could be. So I'm intrigued now, though. You can tweet us, okay? We challenge you to do the research and figure out which one is correct because I do remember seeing both of them. I agree. Please don't take anything we ever say as word. I mean, unless I cite specific resource pages. Yeah, there we go. So, okay. I like this disclaimer. Really only listened about 70% of the shit we say. I agree. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so specifically, let's talk about how Charles Manson got to be Charles Manson, right? Like yep. petty crime, drama bullshit, all that jazz. Uh, but actually, let's talk about the family because yep. that's really how Charles Manson grew to be the Manson family. The Manson family. Mm -hmm. So Manson grew a cult following who shared his passion for an unconventional lifestyle and habitual use of LSD and magic mushrooms. I didn't know magic mushrooms were a thing. Like, I know that there's, like, hallucinogenic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Are they magic? Like, did a wizard bless them? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Like, what is what is magic? Like, if you take them, like, does a unicorn appear? I what mean, is magic about them? Is it just that you trip balls? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just a terminology for mushrooms. That just makes it sound... Okay, full disclaimer, been there, saw gnomes, so... Saw gnomes. I'm terrified of gnomes. Um, I'm never touching that ever again. <laughs> and they haven't in forever. But yeah, it was not a pleasant experience on my end. Yeah, I fucking hate gnomes. Nothing magical about it. Much prefer Harry Potter. Thank you. All right. So we're going to stick to wizard and witchcraft. Wink, 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 wink. Stay tuned. Um, so magic mushrooms are out for both of us. But cheers to anybody else who likes them. As long as you don't start a cult family. Uh, the Manson family eventually moved from San Francisco to San Fernando Valley. Manson's followers also included a small, hardcore unit of impressionable young girls who believed that without question, Manson was Jesus, period. Like, mm -hmm. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, okay? And his prophecies of a race war were legitimate. I don't know what kind of racist white people shit that is or what the magic mushrooms did to like make that happen. But fuck all that. Agreed. Fuck all that. Manson had a strong belief and interest in the notation of Armageddon from the book of Revelations and also explored early teachings of Scientology. Stay tuned. Yep. Along with the more obscure cult churches, such as the Church of Final Judgment. You know, for anybody who has not determined yet in listening to us, Allie and I are not religious, okay? And yet, as a non-religious woman, the Church of Final Judgment... That does not sound like a religion I ever want to be a part of. Sounds like a ton of fun. It really sounds like a fucking death camp. I bet you they have bouncy houses. And clowns. Well, that just made it worse. <laughs> Now I really don't want to go. And magic mushroom. <laughs> Still don't want to go. Maybe they have like a face painting wizard. Now I'm more inclined. Now I'm back to Especially liking if it. you're a wizard. Now I'm back to maybe. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> oh, I love us. It's the best Hagrid impression anyone's going to get. Mm -hmm. 
You sounded just like him too. You did mm-hmm. it. You killed it. All right. So that's kind of just some background on the family. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in depth in a little bit. I really broke this up to be digestible in my research of Charles Manson because I didn't know a ton about him. So if you do know a ton about Charles Manson and there's anything that we missed, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to tweet us or email us or share it on our Facebook or Instagram. But I personally didn't know a ton about him, obviously, other than like the major pop culture references and shit. So I really broke this up in a way that was digestible for me. So that's how we're going to follow my notes. The next point being Helter Skelter is a direct Manson reference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Manson was influenced by art and music just as much as he was by LSD and mushrooms. Most notably, the Beatles song Helter Skelter from their 1968 White Album, which when speaking to Paul McCartney, not that I spoke to Paul McCartney, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, maybe I'm a wizard. Um, but in speaking to Paul McCartney, he said that the song was a metaphor for the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Okay. And I have a very hard time hearing the author of a song say it meant one thing Mm -hmm. and then having someone else who did not author the song say with certainty to anyone Mm -hmm. what the song fucking means you don't have the fucking right to say what my fucking song means no no sit down little charlie no thank you but he did Mm-hmm. He, he did. He took his own interpretation. He interpreted the lyrics as an incitation for a race war to begin. Yep. I hate racists. There's me saying that. He turned the lyrics around to justify his schemes and also to guide his followers to murder. So he basically was like, the song said we should. Yep. And they were like, okay. And then that was that. And that's what they did. Have so, you ever actually heard that song? I haven't. It's creepy. I believe you. There's one part of it that just goes number nine, number nine, over and over. I hate it. Stop. I'm good. It's interesting. Hard pass. All right. Noted. Thank you, Nova. Um, Okay, so I don't know if you've ever heard this, but this is why I broke up the notes this way, and this is why I did it this way, because I have heard about this copycat theory. Okay. Have you ever heard about the copycat theory? Yes. Okay. But I have a funny feeling you're about to tell me more than I know. I have a funny feeling that given the face you're making, your beautiful, sweet little face, I love your face, that uh, you're going to tell me that I totally misinterpreted this fucking information. Oh, (laughs) okay. Well, so let's try both. Let's roll those dice. Let's see what happens here. So the copycat theory is actually originating. I got this information specifically from the Rolling Stone dot com page. And the reason that I was so into this is, again, shout out to Mindhunter docudrama. Okay. They hit on this in the episode that they did on Charles Manson. And I thought it was so interesting. And in that show, in that recantment of what happened with the Manson family was the first time that I had ever heard about this copycat theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and copycat might not even be the right word, but I don't know how else to describe it. So one of Manson's followers was a gentleman who was not a gentleman at all named Bobby Beausoleil. Bobby went away for the death penalty, which got turned into life in prison for killing Gary Hinman. The purpose of Gary dying was for his $20,000 inheritance money. Okay. That money was supposed to be grassroots funds for this family and this race war that they were trying to ignite. So they were going to use the money to get all over the country, plant these little race ticking time bombs by killing people and trying to frame the Black Panthers and the Black community. And that's what they were going to do with that money. God, right? cults are bad, y'all. Just, we also are not condoning cults. Unless it's cults that like worship puppies and kittens. Oh, I could get on board with that cult. Maybe we should start that cult. 
Noted. Stay tuned. Okay, so it was claimed that Manson ordered this hit and told Bobby that he could rough up Hinman, but he could not kill him until Manson got there, which is very typical of Manson and, again, why he went away for over 40 years but never killed anybody. He claims he was this puppet master. Yeah. Which, the reason I said that so specifically is it does come into play later. So, from the story, it gets really weird from here and there's, like, three different versions of what happened okay mm-hmm. like and keep in mind you guys these are career criminals these are serial killers these are not normal people we're talking about so just please don't lose sight of that they're not necessarily honest people yeah so the three different stories i mean there were more than three but the three that i could identify were very specific it's manson's version it's bobby's version and then it's like this culmination of the two versions put together that seem explicable yeah because you can't trust manson and you can't trust bobby bobby is still alive actually i thought that was interesting too okay so three stories come together blah 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 regardless of whose story was real it was determined that Bobby Beausoleil's murder was the beginning of the Manson family killings. Okay. That was the first domino to be hit. And that happened in July of... I did write it down. I thought... Mm, yep, I did. July of 1969. It's weird to think that wasn't even that long ago. I know. And I'm not even doing the shout out to 1969 like I did because it's not as cool in this episode. I agree. As it as it was in the last episode. Murder kind of dampens the mood. A little bit. So if you haven't heard the porn versus reality episode where I do like a really proud shout out to 69, go back and listen to that. All right. Once Bobby Beausoleil got popped for the Hinman murder... Mm-hmm. Manson was trying to cover his tracks because he was not there for that murder and he specifically told Bobby that he wanted to be right so he, he wasn't there when Hinman was murdered and he was really upset that Bobby was going to get the credit for that murder when really Manson wanted it. He That was part of this complex that he had was this this God complex of I can make people do my bidding exactly the way that I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out that way. So he was pissed. And he wanted credit for that murder for that reason. Yeah. So this theory infuriated Manson because it contradicted this whole helter-skelter race war God complex thing. The fact that Bobby did this without Manson's order or against Manson's order drove him fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and also it undermines the helter skelter theory that Manson had of what helter skelter meant to him, mm-hmm. which he defended until he died. Mm-hmm. Like he defended that helter skelter was his theory that the Beatles spoke to him in the way that he interpreted it. So that's really kind of the philosophy of if, if it's true, this copycat thing, right? If it's true that Bobby killed Hinman without Charles Manson's approval permission his presence then bobby Beausoleil basically gets credit for the manson family murders on his own oh yeah i get what you're saying because he was an independent piece of manson it wasn't had nothing to do with manson's control or power Mm -hmm. which is why manson immediately took the position that he was team bobby and then as we fast forward, these murders that happened very shortly after Bobby Beausoleil was arrested, actually in the very beginning of August of 1969, they were to mimic the murder that Bobby Beausoleil did on Hinman to make it look as though it was this race war concept. So that's where the copycat theory comes from. I get what you're saying. I thought that was like crazy fucking weird. And like to what lengths would you go to look as though you're that in charge? 
Yeah. I don't know if I believe that theory. I just truly think that he worked people up into a fever to the point of where it's hard to step back from that line and that emotion and yeah. they just went through with it all the way. He didn't have the control he thought. I think he did have this insane plan. And maybe he did. Mm-hmm. I, I Like I said, I don't know much about Charles Manson other than this research. So I really appreciate your perspective, especially if he's your favorite, because I just can't speak to him in that degree. I just don't have that interpersonal connection to him as a murderer. So let's go back to talking about the murder. This information for the murders came from biography.com. Overall, the family, the Manson family, carried out about 35 killings. Mm -hmm. Okay. The most notable murders, however, were Gary Hinman, which was, like I said earlier, July of 1969 by Bobby Beausoleil. The next being Sharon Tate and her unborn baby, Mm -hmm. who was eight months. I'm going to spare you guys what was said to and about Sharon Tate uh, as she pleaded for her unborn child's life because it's truly so disturbing. Yeah. And uh, my little empath self, even as I read the words, like was chilled to the core. So I have no interest in repeating them. This is a very German name and I'm sorry if I say it wrong, but I think it's Wohek Rykowski. Listen. I did good? That sounded great. I love it. (laughs) Abigail Folger, who was actually uh, the heiress to Folger's Coffee. Yeah. She was stabbed 28 fucking times. And Jay Sebring, who was a family friend, these people were killed by Charles Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Linda Cassabane, which we'll talk about in a minute, but they're responsible for those murders. And then Stephen Parent was also killed by the family, uh, but his direct murderer was unidentified or undetermined, but they determined that his murder was in relation to the Manson family. And then the last distinguished celebrity, Hollywood, wealthy, beautiful, whatever, the crux of the entire Manson family mission of like, let's kill the wealthy and the beautiful to incite this race war. Mm -hmm. The last people of that kind of grouping, not that they didn't have other victims and we we empathize with all of the victims of any murder, obviously, but notably for the Manson family, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. Lino owned a very successful grocery store in that area and they were killed by charles tex watson patricia krenwinkel and leslie van houten this is bringing back all sorts of memories from me reading this in high school and i just go back to like i couldn't have read this in high school i couldn't have i would have had nightmares for like years i think it's because oh when i first started listening to marilyn manson which everybody in Marilyn Manson's band has the first name of a celebrity and the last name of a serial killer that they've chosen for their oh. pseudonyms. Yeah. I don't remember any of the other ones aside from Marilyn Manson, but it's obviously Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And Charles Manson. I think that's what triggered me to look into Charles Manson because I wanted to understand. That's well, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know that about Marilyn Manson. Yeah, one of one of the band members, I think ex-band member now, I don't even know, but their first chosen name was Twiggy. Okay. As in the model Twiggy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think the last name was Ramirez, so Richard, Richard Ramirez, Night that Stalker. Sounds, that sounds real. Cool. I really you know. didn't know that. Like, seriously, that might go in our what did you learn here today segment. That was in, uh, that was really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. So according to RollingStone.com, here's kind of the breakout of the family itself, which I thought was fascinating because part of the biggest question in the Manson family mystery, not even the case, not even the killings, but the mystery itself is how in the actual fuck did this five two little angry gremlin looking man, how did he win the hearts and loyalty of 
these people at one point the family was like up to a hundred people how did he gain their love and support and before we really kind of like we try and dissect that question here's kind of the background of these people bobby bosley was a musician Mm -hmm. of all of the people in the reading that i've done and in the research that i've the limited research that I've done about the other people and also what I've seen from Mindhunter, Bobby Bosley himself was also fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, and in the uh, court appeals and like I said, he's still alive. So this interview with the Rolling Stones was not even that long ago. I think it was 2018. The family of Gary Hinman is still absolutely adamant that Bobby Bosley is fucking crazy like actually fucking crazy so his connection to manson is less of a stretch for me than everybody else but i still need to throw that out there he was just a musician Mm -hmm. not knocking musicians i'm just saying like he wasn't he wasn't a serial killer in training yeah he was a musician so tex watson was a former high school jock he was one of the star football players for his high school team which uh, like that's definitely the serial killer type Susan Atkins was a church choir girl. Again, she screams serial killer, like without question. Patricia Krenwinkel was a Catholic college dropout. And interestingly, she dropped out for Charles Manson. Mm -hmm. She left Catholic school for Charles Manson. How in the fuck could this man with a unibrow standing 5'2", how could he come between a woman who dedicated her life to religion, seriously, was going to do that? How could he take that from her? Like, it, not even in a moral way or an ethical way. I mean, how powerful would his manipulation tactics have to be mm-hmm. to separate someone from their belief system? You have to wonder if he was a very charismatic little unibrowic troll monster. I don't know. Um, And then the last person who was noted as a family member for information about her was Linda Cosabane, Bon Bain Cosabane. And she was just a hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. And Manson like picked her up and was like, hey, you can come meet my family. And she was like, cool. And then they were like, we're together. And I just, I go back to Charles Manson is a demonstration in American history of true evil. Mm-hmm. And yet how, like how, how does that exist? That's, that's where my fascination comes in. He came between somebody else and her God. How? You have to wonder if she was wavering at all or if any of these people found that they didn't quite fit within the societal norms that they were supposed to say they were trying to find a home. And he was at also, drugs are a hell of a drug. I mean, drugs are a hell of a drug. You really nailed that. (laughs) You pointed it out. Like, you know what? You should run a dare campaign. Oh, perfect. Drugs are a hell of a drug. I'm a great example for a dare campaign. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. All right. So that that was the research that I had on Charles Manson. Did you have anything being your he's your favorite? Do you have anything that you would like to add that I didn't cover again knowing that I don't know shit about Charles Manson? I might have even said Mason at one point, which I'm really sorry if I didn't catch that in the editing. I'm saying that now because I feel like a fucking idiot. But do you have anything that I missed or that you want to share that's fun facts that you know? Um, the only thing that I can remember that I thought was absolutely insane is he thought, or his goal was, to incite this race war that would decimate the world and his family was going to go to some underground bunker and come back up after the race war was over and there were only black people left and they were going to rule the black people. Yeah. That that base says it all. <laughs> that literally doesn't even fucking make sense. I, I don't know. That's just... I just fucking white people. I just, we are white people. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. We are white people, but I'm serious. Like, 
I don't take offense to the fucking crazy white people. Crazy white people. I just like that's just fucking insane to me, and also just so wrong and so fucked up and so illogical and so stupid. You have a family of a hundred, and you think that you're gonna come out from under the fucking ground and be like, "Hey, forty-six million black people, we're here to rule you." Like. Maybe he thought he was like a reincarnation of Christ or something of that nature. Who knows? It's been a long time since I've read. He did though. He it. did think he was some sort of God creature. Like I don't know if it was like, if he thought he was Jesus. His followers obviously did, but. And we all know from the accurate depiction of paintings of Jesus from the Bible that Jesus was a white man. J.K. LOL. <laughs> I know sometimes it's really hard to sense Allie's sarcasm because she's dead inside and she really only has like one, one mode. One mode, but oh. that was sarcastic as fuck for anybody who wasn't sure. And if you were offended by that, just stay tuned because we have some amazing things planned. So thank you for sharing your favorite serial killer with me. I really appreciate it. I am ready to hear about your favorite serial killer. My favorite serial killer so my history on my favorite serial killer whose name has not yet been announced no worries uh is from biography.com history.com and then just some of my own research because that's why this person is my favorite i have just through a culmination of different classes and different things that i've had to do in my education like this is a pretty prevalent serial killer and i'm not even sure like how he's been prevalent in the studies that i've done but over and over and over yeah so without further ado my please thank you for doing that you're welcome do you, th- do you think people realize that like our weird quirky little sound effects are me i'd say so because like i was thinking about in the porn versus reality episode i make the fast forward noise mm-hmm. and like i really was curious if people think like that was like an inserted noise but no like i i did that i think they know. oh that wasn't a good one there we go i also make a really good chicken noise anyway <laughs> if you want this as a patreon option someday let me know someday we might do just the noises of celeste all right so drum roll H.H. Holmes is my favorite serial killer. Hey. So H.H. Holmes was born May 16th, 1861 in New Hampshire, and he died May 7th, 1896. He was 35 years old, which is important and fascinating. But also what I wanted to say about this was I thought it was crazy that both Manson and Holmes died the same month they were born. Huh. Manson only died a few days after he turned 83 or a few days before. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to look at my notes. Um, but Holmes was born on the 16th. He died on the 7th. Obviously 35 years later, but still like I'm just I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. He died actually in prison. Uh, his real name was Herman Webster Mudgett. And to be fair, I would change that too. Yeah, so would I. It, that's just not a good, that's just not a good name. So his alias was Dr. Henry H. Holmes. Here we go. H.H. H. Holmes. Wait a minute. It was just an alias. So he, was he a doctor? Never mind. We'll probably get into that. Thank you. Thanks. For letting me do my job. No problem. <laughs> I thought it was a great segue. I, it, yeah, you did. Totally my, you did my good. intention. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love it. So he was born to an affluent family. And even as a child, he was said to be unusually intelligent. He expressed an interest in quote-unquote medicine at a very, very young age, and there are actually reports of him doing experimental surgeries on animals, like, that they can prove, okay? Mm. 
there were some accounts that indicate that he may have also been responsible of the death of a friend who was also a child. Oh, what a dick. Yeah. I mean, he's a dick in general, but what a dick. But like a very young dick at mm-hmm. the same time. Like, There's something even more disturbing about child on oh, child without violence question. to me. Oh, without question. So as a college student at the University of Michigan, uh, he stole corpses and then used them to make false insurance claims. He may have also used these bodies in quote unquote experiments. He had a fascination quite literally with not only death, but decay and just... I think, again, similar to Manson, like this God complex, but like he took it to like a whole different level. He was like a reverse Dr. Frankenstein. Basically. Yes, exactly. So he actually abandoned his wife and young children in 1885 when he moved to Chicago. Have we mentioned that this guy's a dick? One or two times. Okay. And a young dick. Just had to cover it. Yeah. Similarly to the Manson breakdown, I kind of jumped around in my notes and then it kind of all comes together. So I'm just going to read them the way I have them written. The most notable relation of H.H. Holmes that like people know about or have heard about or understand the concept of is Murder Castle, a.k.a. Hotel Hell. For anybody who has ever seen Hotel from American Horror Story, Hotel Hell is the premise of Hotel. I forget the hotel name in American Horror Story, but that's this, okay? Yeah. And Evan Peters, yeah, plays Tate. He's Tate in the in Murder House yeah. in the first season, but in Hotel, I forget who his character's name is, but he's, it is based on H.H. Yeah. H. Holmes. Oh, I thought he was actually called H.H. H. Holmes because they call everybody else. It might be. I haven't seen that season a in a long time, so it's possible. Hot minute. Uh-huh. Super hot minute. So it's possible. I just don't remember. Mm-hmm. But it is true that Evan Peters mm-hmm. was, in fact, playing H.H. H. Holmes' modeled character. I loved that character, too. I I really like Evan Peters as an actor. Yeah, I think he's great. I like Tate. I think he, that was my favorite Evan Peters role. That or, I forget his name, but when in Freak Show, when he was the Lobster Claw. Mm-hmm guy he's just such a dimensional actor Mm -hmm. and i think he's dating halsey and they're like really cute together carry on (laughs) celeste carry on (laughs) so he was a pharmacist or he was posing as a pharmacist basically although he did get his doctorate from the university of michigan which i just want to stop on that for a second how do you think an alma mater feels when their alumni become serial killers like do you think that's a Or do you think that they're like, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we knew that was uh-huh. going to come from him. Like, I'm just curious. Like, obviously, they can't, the school can't retroactively take away his degree. Yeah. And he's certified to be what he is through that school. <laughs> just like, well, fuck. And I'm not even saying just in, in this example. Like, think about all of the very <laughs> highly educated serial killers there yep. are. Like, I'm sure that there's been serial killers that came out of Harvard and then they're like, I'm just curious, is Harvard, do they have like a meeting? And they're like, we have another one, guys. Uh-huh. Like just what, how does that feel? I'm just curious. All right. So he was a pharmacist or he was posing as a pharmacist. Excuse me. He did, however, have his doctorate through the University of Michigan. So eventually Holmes took over the pharmacy that he was working in. And it is suspected that he killed the original owner of the pharmacy in order to be able to run 
his own business basically holmes commissioned the construction of murder castle or hotel hell in inglewood which is a neighborhood just outside of chicago murder castle was a labyrinth structure with shops on the first floor and small apartments above this hotel was in the peak of business during the 1839 world fair in chicago which was the first world fair to be held in the united states there actually was a little political world war because the fair was supposed to be held in paris Mm -hmm. and the architects who got commissioned basically like pretty much bribed the committee who decided where the fair was going to be held so that it was in chicago i love the fact that the first world fair held in the u.s is tied to the history of this hotel Mm -hmm. real seriously also the first world fair is also tied to the history of the great chicago fire yep so it was pretty disastrous maybe they shouldn't have fought so hard maybe it should have been in paris that's called karma what was really interesting about this event though is that it attracted more than 27 million visitors to chicago holy fuck let's go back to for a second it's 1893 yeah how did 27 million people get to chicago i mean boats are a thing I know, but that's so many boats. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of boats. So many boats and so many buggies. And that's a lot of horse shit. This is true. I just, that's crazy to me. But part of that allure for Holmes is that all of these transient people Mm -hmm. are coming into Chicago and literally they're here like via buggy or boat. And if they don't make it home, their loved ones basically assumed that they immigrated to Chicago. And whether that means that they came from another country or from another state, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There was no way to like Facebook check in and be like, I made it. Allie is here. Like that wasn't a thing. So that was really part of why he was so successful as a serial killer because Mm -hmm. there was 27 million people in chicago at that time and he basically had his pick so to get into his death toll holmes was married several times mostly to migrant women who were new to the chicago area who he then killed for insurance money this dude was all about money yep okay that i I think it's fair to say that money is his number two motivator the first being He just had this absolute fascination with death and Mm -hmm. the science of death, which is not okay in any way. But comparably to Manson is, I think, a little bit more understanding Mm -hmm. because Holmes, I'm sure, obviously got gratification or an adrenaline rush from taking a life. Like, I'm sure that that's real. But he really was more interested in how to extinguish a life scientifically. Yeah. Very few of his victims were murdered the same way, Mm -hmm. which was why it was so difficult to identify him as a murderer. And also, there are approximately 200 victims who he claims, like, he claims to have killed 200 people. Yeah. He was only ever convicted and tied to 27 of them. Hmm. That's a disproportionate fucking number. A little bit. So, I mean, that's part of it, though, is he just experimented with so many different ways to kill people that there was not a consistent MO in his death. Yeah. In his death signature. So they couldn't tie them. Additionally, if you look at the spectrum of his victims, there's not a type Mm-hmm. there the only type he had was for women he preferred blonde-haired blue-eyed women but other than that he killed men he killed women he killed children and when i say w- the women he was interested in those are the only the women he married yeah who he did then kill mm-hmm. but he killed other women who did not fit his type he just never married them but i think dude was married like my notes say several times but if i remember correctly from the book i think it was like nine times well and he was a stepfather to children in that period and 
like the children were all murdered and it's pretty terrible basically just free for all yeah i realized in my notes that i said it but i want to go back for just a second on the hotel hell Mm -hmm. part of if you don't know this history that's okay i'm not nobody's judging you but the labyrinth piece this concept of the hotel being a labyrinth was real in that Holmes had it constructed specifically to have chutes and passageways and secret rooms and hallways and rooms that only locked from the outside, like built mm-hmm. into the fucking structure Sound, of the house. Sounds kind of like the Winchester house. Kind of. So like he could have anywhere up to 50 victims in the hotel at a time who were still alive. And like you had no idea when he done with a body, he literally would just shove it down a laundry chute. And at the at the bottom of the laundry chute in the basement was this like vat of acid that was used to decompose the bodies. Like he literally built a human garbage disposal system Mm -hmm. in the hotel, which again, I, I should have said that in the concept of the bullet point, but I just totally forgot. And if you, again, don't know about H.H. Holmes, that part is important for the fucking story. Yeah. Super important. Like I said before, the number of his victims is still debatable by historians. Uh, He admitted to killing 27 people, and this did include children. Specifically, like I said before, he killed his stepchildren, and he killed the children of his partners. I remember reading at one time, this just stands out to me so specifically. I think it's in the Devil in the White City book, but I remember reading that he tucked these children in to a chest like a moving chest right Mm -hmm. Uh, like a trunk yeah and he tucked them in like he told them that they could sleep there and they fit there because they were like little kids yeah and uh he tucked them in he read them a story he just had them all like nestled in this fucking trunk and then he closed the trunk and locked it and he had created carbon monoxide hole and hose and he he suffocated them in the trunk fuck this guy and then he sent their bodies to their dad oh my god because he th- those were some of his stepchildren he's officially the guy i would go back in time to kill if i could go back in time to i mean kill there somebody. are there are lots of people on that list that i would consider but yes he's up there like seriously you married this woman you killed her her children were asking for their mommy mm-hmm. you put them in a trunk and read them a story and then you literally killed them with carbon monoxide poisoning yep and sent their bodies, and there were three of them, I think, in this trunk. You sent their bodies back to their biological father. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And yet, I'm fascinated by this motherfucker. Yeah. Like, and that's what that's part of the, like the reason of this episode today, you guys, is like we can admit that that's fucking disgusting mm-hmm. and disturbing and evil, and yet I'm fucking fascinated by it, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Holmes was apprehended in October of 1839 in Boston after he fled Chicago, which was honestly after the great fire that happened at the world fair that had done millions of dollars of damage to the city of chicago like Mm -hmm. basically burnt chicago down to the ground um he was arrested on suspicion of killing his assistant benjamin pitzel and his two children benjamin pitzel had five children total so he left a widow and three other children without their father and sibling in 1896 holmes was hanged for his crimes in philadelphia thank god meaning the 27 that he admitted to Mm -hmm. so to wrap up thoughts on the murder castle or hotel hell the building did survive the city's fires the building itself remained standing until 1938 when it was torn down i don't even want to know the horrors that came out of that house like people were in the walls it was just mm, too much the site is now occupied by the inglewood branch of the u.s post office so if you're in the chicago area and or the inglewood area and you go to the post office if you get any weird vibes it's probably haunted territory what an appropriate building 
Dun, dun, dun. Be there now. <laughs> what? So I didn't do this for Charles Manson and I should have. I, I don't know why it didn't occur to me. But if you're interested in learning more about Holmes, the books that uh, or the work that is on him specifically that you can reference or, or research yourself. Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. That's where my fascination with H.H. Holmes started. Mm-hmm. It's a fiction, nonfiction. So it's nonfiction history, but it's fiction because it's present tense first person. So obviously Eric Larson does not know for a fact that H.H. H.H. Holmes said, I want to suck your blood. Like, Mm -hmm. they don't know that, but it is real history. Yeah. So it's a really good book and it, they do this it's a like a dual action book where one side is the story of the, the two architects who built the world fair and then the other side of it being him and how the two worlds were happening at the exact same time like it's a really good book um holmes actually wrote his own autobiography while he was in prison called holmes own story what very a, clever title yeah, super mm-hmm. creative and then built a fucking death maze can't name the title name of his book. book something better and then jd Crichton actually re wrote Holmes' own story so that it was not shitty maybe and then also um there's hh holmes the history of the white city devil by adam selzer so those are some books on hh holmes obviously there's probably a ton of resources online that you could also find but that's my favorite serial killer i think he's fascinating and i think what i think is fascinating about him is like i said before just his fascination with the types of extinguishment like there was a scientific reason for him Mm -hmm. it wasn't and i'm not saying i condone it i'm not saying it's good but because we're having this conversation there was a genuine reason for him it wasn't just this complex or it wasn't just this innate insatiable desire in a way he justified it because it was for science yeah i think he took personal pleasure out of it and he obviously took science quote unquote way too fucking far Mm -hmm. there's not much science about putting children in a trunk and suffocating them to death but I think that's part of what I think is fascinating about him is that distinguishing factor. And he was incredibly smart. Yeah. Like, incredibly fucking smart. There was more to him than just the killing. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that could be said about Manson too in some of the things that I found said that he was very smart but not in an intelligent kind of way. Not in a book smart way Mm -hmm. but just cunning and conniving. And obviously to be manipulative to that level requires a certain type of emotional intelligence to Mm -hmm. be able to read other people and manipulate their feelings. A stupid person can't do that. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. I agree. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Thank you for allowing me to tell you about our favorite serial killers. So what did you learn here today? I learned that if I walk into a room and announce that I'm fascinated with serial killers, that there's probably more people in that room also that feel the same way than that are probably willing to admit. Yeah, I think that's true. And shout out to the people who can confidently say that they do find fascination in serial killers. Somebody make that their next icebreaker at a work function <laughs> and let us know how it goes. Yeah, we're really curious. Like, tweet us about that. My boss, Holly, she's she's such a trip. She's my favorite. She has a serial killer coloring book that somebody got her. <laughs> and, like, it's hilarious and uh-huh. so fucked up at the same time. Those kinds of people, I really appreciate. Yep. Like, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about being a serial killer or... Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Like, it's not. But I really appreciate a dark sense of humor Mm -hmm. who can make a funny out of that situation. And let me tell you, you guys, picturing this coloring book and the faces of these people is fucking hilarious and the idea of like tiny coloring outside the lines with like a pink crayon on ed kemper's mustache like Mm -hmm. that just brings me joy i agree (laughs) 
<laughs> it brings some levity to it. It does. Yeah. I think I learned more about Charles Manson today than I have ever learned about Charles Manson in my life. Mm-hmm. I think specifically this theory of him taking credit for a movement that he didn't really start mm-hmm. is really fascinating. I think that's the other thing that I really learned and also makes me question how far would Charles Manson have gone had Bobby not tipped that first domino? Yeah. Like, would the Manson family murders have happened or to the extent that they did? Like, I'm so curious about that. Yeah, agreed. I don't know. So there, there was our uh, second episode of Spooky Season. We hope that you guys enjoyed this. We hope that you learned something from this. We know this wasn't our typical bouncy banter, but I still think it's totally worth talking about. Yeah, I thought it was great. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I did. And we hope that you found commonality. Like, if you are a closet serial killer fascinato. I thought you were just going to say closet serial killer and I was like, please exit this podcast. Please leave if you are a closet serial killer. But if you are a closet serial killer fascinado, which is now your official title, know that you're not in that alone and that that's a super normal fascination. I mean, literally, you guys, Netflix and Hulu and Prime, they make millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. billions of dollars off of serial killer shit. So it's clearly popular. It's okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as part of our outro segue, I would love for you guys to send us your favorite serial killers. Ooh, yeah. And if if you don't want to do like a full-blown history, that's totally fine. Like, I would be happy to do research on some serial killers and maybe we do a follow-up episode at some point of other serial killers. If if that's something you guys want to hear about, that is not typically our vein, but I'm happy to have that conversation if it helps kind of bridge that gap of, like, feeling alone in being fascinated by serial killers. Mm-hmm. So send us your, your favorite serial killers and maybe we have another episode and we talk about those people. Yeah, and if you want to go ahead and do that, you can email us at taboospodcast at gmail.com. That's T-A-B-O-O-Z-E podcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us at our socials, which are Taboos the Pod on Instagram and Twitter and Taboos, Taboos, Taboos podcast at Facebook. I don't fucking know. This you, is my first You time. were doing it. You, I was just, I was like not even going to say anything. You I'm were trying. killing it. You were doing so good. Allie is right. It is Taboos the Pod on Instagram and Twitter and it is just Taboos on Facebook. You can find us there. We also have a website. It is Taboos podcast at pinecast.com. Is that real? I think it is. Taboos.pinecast.com. Okay, so listen to her on the Shit. website. Now I don't even know. Now we don't even know. Somewhere, just Google taboos. Yes, podcast. and you will or find us. Something. We are the only taboos. It's true. We would like to invite you to share our podcast, rate our podcast, continue to listen to our podcast. Also, to those of you that have left such kind reviews all the fuzzies i literally don't i don't even Aww, have words it was so sweet fuzzies we do we appreciate you guys also we've gotten a couple pictures from listeners which are just hilarious like we got the machizo picture oh my god and um we've gotten a couple of other like porn versus reality like side by side pictures which mm-hmm. are hilarious like you guys we so appreciate just the love and support and the outreach like we really hope that you know that you can send us just about anything excluding dick pics yep never send us that please no thank you so thank you guys so much for listening today we hope that you enjoyed this episode and prepare yourself for the next episode of spooky season it's gonna be a good one and on that we're out of here as always do you be taboos
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.